Mayor Steve Adler. Welcome to another episode of Walk With Me Austin. It's a podcast where each week we talk about what's going on in Austin and about the issues that really matter. We want to hear from you and answer your questions, so submit your questions by emailing us at steve.adler at austintexas.gov or through social media at at Mayor Adler. We are back in the studio. Uh, we're here with um, uh, our, our guest, uh, Henry Vandepute. He is the CEO of Meals on uh, Wheels. Uh, and as with most of these podcasts, uh, the guest and I are joined by my friend, Josh Jones-Dilworth. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for being with us again. So glad to be here. I'm obsessed with Meals on Wheels. I really am. I'm your number one fan. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, let's dive right into it. So, Henry, you're, you're, you're CEO of Meals on Wheels. I'm a huge fan, too, and have had the opportunity to go out on rides and, 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 and to be in your, in your, in your facility uh, at crisis points when things were looking dark all over the, the, the region. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and, and tell everybody a little bit about Meals on Wheels. Sure. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I joined Meals on Wheels just this past February, so I'm very new to the Austin region. But uh, the service that Meals on Wheels provides is critical uh, to our community. It really, you know, the term we use is age in place, but really it, it brings grace to aging. And there's so much living history with our seniors, with our older Americans, um, that Meals on Wheels takes a comprehensive approach to sustain that mission. Yeah. It is um, vitally important how we treat our seniors it takes a village. People say this in families. What happens if the village isn't there? And that's what Meals on Wheels uh, is really about. It's it's more than a meal. It starts with nutrition, but there's so much but more. But it's way more. Puzzle. It's a platform. And it, it was is. when was it invented, Matt uh, Henry? When it was goes it? back to 1972. What started here in Austin with nine volunteers with 12 neighbors. Okay, so 1972. I mean, it, there's no more 2022 an idea, okay? It's like a last mile delivery network. It's a platform for providing a whole bunch of services to our community. It's about keeping people out of the hospital and out of the clinic and in their home. It's such, it's a it's a platform and a strategy for the times and it's as relevant today as it was ever. It is. It keeps people connected. It. There's so many interventions that we have across our platform, across our enterprises, I say. Uh, where we're preventing real costs. And these are this is what's amazing. It's a value saver to the community because it interrupts things that would cost the community or cost the senior or cost the family more money. Okay, so let's slow down here just a little bit because you guys <laughs> have jumped so far ahead. I'm afraid that you're going to leave a lot of listeners behind here, right? Because sure. we all know what meals and wheels are. Okay, you let's take, back you it up. You take food to yes. people. And, and, and that's probably how you started. We start, we have a centralized kitchen on East Texas, uh, on East Austin. And we take 3,000 meals a day to people's homes. You add an additional uh, 2,000 meals to congregate sites. These are uh, city uh, community centers, county community centers, and that's where it starts. We connect about uh, 5,000 seniors a day with food uh, close to their homes. And we do that mostly with volunteers. Uh, and it's an amazing program. Each day, a hot delivered meal. And the food right tastes good. This isn't cafeteria food. This is not. It tastes delicious. I have had some myself. Our senior team eats it uh, every every now and then, and it is it is really good. Chef Ruben, this is just a personal. This chef has been there for over twenty years, and he makes this food like he's making it for his own family. It's delicious. All right, so we have we have excellent meals. 
uh, a lot of volunteers working in, in the location. They show up. They they get their, their list of people they're supposed to bring their meals to. Some of them are going back to the same home so that they're going back into someone's home who recognizes them and, and, and knows them to be a friend who's, who's bringing them uh, a meal. Uh, and that's phenomenal operation. But at some point, as you're in people's homes, suddenly you became kind of the, yeah. the, the, the eyes and ears for the rest of the community. And you could start identifying, your volunteers could start identifying, hey, wait a second, I'm, I'm in their house every day. I'm bringing them a meal. You know, the, 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 it, they need someone to help them remember to take their medicine. Right. What else can we do? What else can we do? If you because, have the relationship, what else can you do? And because they see things that are happening there. They're walking up and they're realizing that, that, that the front step isn't there. So it's hard for them as they're delivering the yes. meal, which means that it's hard for whoever's living there to walk mm-hmm. out. And they say, boy, I'm, I'm seeing this step needs to be fixed. Who is it that's yes. supposed to come and fix that step? Yes. That's what we do. And imagine this. It's, you, you mentioned this, Mayor, having uh, volunteers do this, but we deliver five days a week, and it's usually a different volunteer. To a, to a senior living at home, that's five people caring about them each and every day. But they are also five people who are watching them. I'll give you an example of why th- I believe the meal program is the backbone of what we do. Uh, we just got back to home meal delivery after two years mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. It just was a very scary time for volunteers. But if you can imagine a senior yeah. in their home, just they, they really were barricaded across their doors. In our first week of going back to home meal delivers, delivery, our volunteers called 911 four times in okay. one week. Really? In, in all four instances was a senior who fell, who couldn't reach the phone. But because you have oh, to be there, because you have to be there to receive that meal, and we can't just drop it off, um, was able to communicate through the door yelling, I've fallen. How many times did that happen through the pandemic and, and we didn't know? It's heartbreaking. And that's what keeps us going. That's that's just one example, but that's a very simple one. We all know the, the old adage, I've fallen, I can't get up. It happens. And uh, I like to think that because we're there each 24-hour period during the week, and really, just over the weekend, we have so much eyes into the community of what's really working and what's not working. And how can we make it better? So, Henry, you have to train these volunteers to deal with all these different situations. I've always been fascinated by that point, too. There's a medical part. There's a social and relationship part. There's a logistical 311911 mm-hmm. kind of part. There's a CPR kind of life-saving part. It's a, it's a really interesting volunteer gig, but it's also in certain ways very challenging because you don't know what you're going to get. What it, it is. We try to make it as simple as possible for our volunteers, so it's a base level. We love if you want to come to the table with CPR, we'll help you connect to that. If you want to know this more training. But at bare minimum, it's if the senior isn't there, call us. Mm. And our caseworker team back at the office is trained to do everything. To do there. everything else. And that's where we make it safe because not everybody – some people – like uh, just enjoying giving a meal, they're not going to be crisis interventionists. They're not first responders. Right. So you can always call for backup that's if it. you don't feel qualified. But, you know, really your number one job is to be a human. To be, That's it. That's all it takes. If yeah. you have, if you can see and you can hear and you can smile, you can be a volunteer. That's in it. Fact, in fact, anybody listening to this can be a volunteer. Anybody can be a volunteer. Uh, some of our best volunteers are families. Uh, that do this together. I didn't know that. Yes, families cool. will do this together. Husbands and wives, generations like doing it. Um, and and you're absolutely right, Mayor. You mentioned these volunteers. Once you have a route, that is your route. I have a route every Wednesday. 
and I've gotten to know these folks over the last just month. I can imagine some of our volunteers have been us 20 years, have had the same wow. person for 20 years they deliver meals to. They become a part of your family. All right, so what kinds of things do they watch for? What kind of services uh, does Meals on, on Wheels help people get? There's the, there's the food itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also identify repairs that need to be made in homes. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a partnership with the city. Um, we do a, a great job of doing home repair. So these are things uh, that run the gamut of scale. Do you need grab bars? Um, you mentioned access in and out of the house, ramps built. Uh, but we can also, depending on the need, um, uh, can go in and do a full assessment up into you know, redoing wiring if that's an issue because we have different medical uh, maybe technology inside the house that the house wasn't built for. Um, so that's one part is making the environment safe. So the nutrition is the first. The environment is safe. If, if we want you to age in place and every study says it's a better quality of life uh, and, and it's just a better existence for these seniors, then it's got to be a safe environment and for them to be in. And so we work there. Um, but not only that, we have a, 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 another program that brings in uh, a registered nurse, an occupational therapist, and a contractor to look comprehensively at the senior's home and what can we do. In a matter of visits, we can make transformational differences in these seniors' lives. Um, so that's one, you know, those are just a few of the programs. Uh, we also have a great partnership with the food bank, and we do what's called groceries to go. So, you know, the food bank does a fantastic job of uh, creating kind of the hub and spoke model where you can go. But what happens to a senior who needs those shelf stable meals or extra groceries who can't get there? We're already going to your house. So, about every two Saturdays in a month, we take full groceries to seniors right to their house, so they don't have to uh, make that perilous journey. They don't have to worry about it. And then because our caseworkers are working with seniors regularly, we can connect them to VA services, city of Austin services, county, you name it. Our, our, our folks become experts uh, in how to care and what, what services are out there for a particular need. And the idea is that it's individual continuum of care, not a one-size-fits-all approach to a senior. Every senior is different. All right. So so just as a practical example, Josh, in, in terms of working with these folks and and and. I had a chance from from you know for the last eight years to be working with them pretty closely. Uh, so on a day to day basis, you just talk through the, the the need and and the and the gift that you bring both to those individuals and to the community more more generally because you're doing something that that as a community we need to make sure we're providing. Uh, but there have been a couple instances that that probably have been really taxing here lately, and you touched on one a second Crises. ago crises and uh, the two I'd like you to comment on just because they, they they're, they're so resonant uh, COVID-19 uh, and uh, also the the winter storm uh, you recall that that time it's a great example people again isolated by themselves so talk about those two events in your organization sure with the pandemic um, it was such dynamic uh, response from the organization the first thing it did we we addressed is this idea of isolation so we made sure that even though we maybe couldn't deliver meals in the way we did, no senior on our program went without a meal. Uh, we shifted really overnight uh, to doing biweekly or three-week deliveries where we would deliver uh, meals that they could warm up and would have the same nutrition. This isn't warm them up in your microwave um, meals, uh, but meals they could put into an oven, put into an air fryer, do, and, and have the same nutritional value, same taste quality that they would have if they got a hot meal delivery. 
And then we had our teams of volunteers and staff calling folks, just having conversations, sometimes mm. without any observable intention mm. at the end of that, just to connect. Just with, to say hi. Just to say hi and I see you. I mean, I, you know, I call it a there's a there's a presence ministry in this. And uh, I can't, you know, studies are just now getting out there about what isolation can do to your health. And I like to think that what the Meals on Wheels program did is say, you're not alone yeah. during this time. We're experiencing a loneliness pandemic, too. We are. And our, and I think what we have seen as a, as a nation, as a community on the, on the loneliness, is what some of our seniors have seen for decades. Yeah. And if, if we think about how we felt... That's the reality that's every day. That's what it's like to be old in this country, unfortunately. So. Yes, for, for, for far too many, that's exactly what it's like. So in some ways, it's an equalizer. None of us want to feel disconnected that way. Um, the other part that, you know, so you mentioned the winter storm, Yuri. Um, obviously, our volunteers and everybody were affected in the storm like everybody else. The first thing we did was find out and do a, a call of all 5,000 seniors who needed what. Where were you? And, and you're talking about it. You know, some of our folks who miss one medication can be catastrophic. So it was about tearing down what is needed for each kind of group and then connecting them with the resource. Volunteers, staff, sometimes first responders were able to, to get out there and uh, make it. Pharmacies were doing great work. It took a collective effort. What we say is we were on the front lines. We at least knew already on paper what everyone needed to, to be able to survive because we've been with these families. We've been with these seniors. Um, so we delivered meals. Um, we, uh, through the graciousness of, of many people, and not to mention also the Matthew McConaughey Foundation, we were able to repair seniors' homes with broken pipes, bring them back up to code so it never happens again to these homes. Um, it's just amazing what the team was able to and I, and I can vouch for that sitting where I was sitting at City Hall and knowing how much of the load that the community had, you guys were, you guys were, were, were picking up. Uh, so... How, how, how does somebody help? Uh, if someone wants to become a, a volunteer to, to help, how do they do that? Very easy. You can go online to Meals on Wheels Central Texas, and the first button is there, I want to get involved. And you can sign up. It takes you, There's a survey and a video, and that's it. And you come to our office, and we will uh, – and you don't even have to come to the office. Here's what's great. Uh, we have a centralized kitchen on, on East in East Austin, but we deliver from different community areas throughout the city. So no matter where you live in, in, in Austin, we can connect you somewhere close where you're delivering to your neighbors or maybe to your office neighbors if you're working somewhere. It is that simple. All you need to do is either call, get online, send us an email, and we'll find you and put you to, put you to work. The average time, if you're on a daily meal delivery route, uh, we ask that you do pick a day a week consistently. And again, that's for the senior's benefit. It's to have a regular person uh, with with consistency helps that senior. We we've seen it, and so we ask you to pick a you know any day Monday through Friday, and then it, the average time b- between when you show up to pick up your meal and when you're back going to work or going back home, whatever it is, is 47 minutes. That's how close we keep them. That's awesome. Now many of our volunteers decide to spend more time uh, talking with folks and do things, but if you just did, you know, kind of a two to three five minute conversation with each uh, with each senior, you're done within 47 minutes. Love it. You know, as a city, we look at, at public health, uh, and obviously we're concerned about it. And, uh, you know, we usually think in terms of physicians and doctors and clinics and that kind of thing. But, Josh, it's got to be that, that, that just delivering these many meals to these many homes 
has to have a huge impact on public a, health. A huge impact. In fact, it's maybe a good transition to talk about some of the work that you're doing with Minnie Kalin and mm-hmm. Dell Medical School. Can we talk about it just a little bit? I think we can. It's fascinating. So um, Minnie's uh, running a project called Factor Health at, um, at Dell Med. And Dell Med um, and Factor Health, what they're trying to do is to involve um, health uh, payers or insurance companies from Medicare and Medicaid, but also things like Blue Cross Blue Shield or Oscar Health or whoever, all the different kinds of payers. And they want to convince payers to pay, reimburse for things like Meals on Wheels. The like same it was medicine. Way, the same way, mm-hmm. right? Like exactly. it was medicine. I'd like it was medicine because it kind of, I mean, it is medicine, okay? And, and also eventually to be able to pay for things like a social phone call mm-hmm. to fight depression, anxiety, or loneliness. And so her work is in quantifying the health benefits of what Meals on Wheels provides in a way inside of really a true clinical trial so that the data and the proof that it really works can be consumed by those payers, by those insurance companies, so they can say, you know what, I will pay for that and I'll pay $79 for it, I'll pay $790 for Mm -hmm. it, because that's how much money you saved us, that's how much you drove down the risk, and I'm always happy to pay for outcomes if you can show me the proof. So you've got, and this is like really first in its country, groundbreaking kind of stuff, getting payers to pay for outcomes for non-clinical interventions, as we say. So are you doing this? We are, we're we're taking, uh, we're gonna start off recruiting uh, folks in June and hopefully in July, um, and specifically, what we're looking at is the effect of our meal program uh, to type 1 diabetes and looking at the improvement over 60, 90 uh, day cohorts because you can see uh, improvements in those amazing. spans. That fast. And, and what's amazing with what Factor Health and what we're able to do partner together, it's not just see the overall, but it's also to test what best, what's the best delivery system out there. Nice. So it's, it's not just taking uh, one cohort and giving them meals and measuring it. It's Medically tailored meals is one. So we're doing medically tailored to combat diabetes. What is the best science out there? And those folks are getting the meal. Then we're going to test what just a a normal hot meal delivery does. And then we're also going to test with a different group what a drop ship model would do. Mm -hmm. And this is this goes back to that. What is the isolation Mm -hmm. point? Does that have a you know, does having that add in? Does that add at every step medically tailored? What's the delta there? Love it. The regular meal. What's the delta to? regular meal drop shipped. And that way we can go to providers that this is, you know, just like they do with us. Here's the premium service and here's the savings. Here's middle of the ground. And then here's bare minimum. And what I think we're going to find is it all helps. It all is going to help. I, I really do believe it's going to show. It. But I think it, having that daily interaction, we've seen it. I mean, what what is happening with Minnie and her team is she, finally we're getting data and good scientists to look at what we have already known to that passes to the eye test. forever. And hopefully getting it to a point to make it a part of the medical system. It already is. I love we it. We're already a part of it. Let's 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 work together. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. Mayor Adler sort of started off by saying, um, you know, how can we help? How can we volunteer? Okay, so I'm now a nonprofit social services healthcare genie, mm-hmm. and you rub the lamp and you get one wish, and you can't wish for more wishes, can't wish for a billion dollars, can't wish for someone to fall in love with you. The normal caveats apply. What is the one thing you need? Um, that you would wish for, that you'd use the wish on to amplify your impact here in the Central Texas region? That is a fantastic question. I'm getting it a lot, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, the one thing is is uh, is a scalable solution. This is where we know, you know, by 2040, we're looking at at least some, you know, 500,000 additional older Americans, 65 and plus in the region. Uh, we need 
the, wa- the wave is coming. The wave is, is yeah. coming, and the wave is here. And we are so proud of the 5,000. But looking at those numbers, we need, we need scalable solutions. Customers are so you're asking, me, you're asking me what we need right now? We can build kitchens. That's not an issue. We can build, uh, we can get the uh, meals in place. It takes people to do what we do differently. And what we're seeing is the pandemic has had a shift in mm. how people want to volunteer. I love that people love digitally volunteering. I think it's great. You can't digitally deliver a meal. It doesn't right. work. So you're asking what we need? An activated community to continue to volunteer. Heck yes. That's what's going to – we're going to need more. We have thousands of volunteers. We're going to need a hundred times more people. That is – that's easily. This is an amazing gift opportunity here, and it's a gift that goes two ways. I mean, <laughs> it's a gift that the volunteer gives to the person that they're visiting and to their, and to their community – it is a gift they receive from the interaction that 100%. they have. But keeping in this mind of gift, this is a perfect time for people to go online or pick up the phone and do this because it could be like a, like a, like, like a birthday gift because this is an important birthday for Meals on Wheels, isn't it? It is. 50 years. We, we are strong uh, over the last 50 years because of the Austin community. Um, in order for us to make it to the next 50, it's going to take a, 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 an investment of time I call it sweat equity, right? Because it's mostly hot in, uh, during the year, but it's going to take that kind of commitment in order to get the meals uh, out the door, and we can't do it. You know, again, you do the math. On average, every senior who gets a hot meal delivered has five volunteers a day serving them. If we're adding an additional five hundred thousand, and we assume best estimates that's twenty percent of those would be eligible. That's just astronomical amount. We will not be able to, as a nonprofit. Um, we can go two ways. You can go out and try to raise money to hire drivers. We know that that's not a, a workable solution that's not scalable. We need the volunteer spirit. And the way the, the model for us was broken during the pandemic, if I can show some powerful vulnerability here, it's we relied on corporate teams to do most of this mm. work because they were in the offices. That's not hap- I, I don't believe that's happening the same way. No. So we have switched overnight. What used to be a 93% volunteer-driven activity on some days is as low as 40. Wow. Because of just the way beha- behaviors day-to-day. And so what I'm asking, and if I, you asked, if I had a gene, it's don't forget about the hour a day you can make a difference from wherever you are. I love it. You know, the, one of the real lessons uh, that I think that uh, I learned uh, during the, uh, the winter storm, and, and I think that the city generally learned, is that the power that rests in volunteers to help their neighbors uh, is, is so strong, so great, and so absolutely necessary. You know, the city had all kinds of emergency plans set up for an event like, the, like a winter storm or what we thought a winter storm would be like. <laughs> uh, but, but never did we anticipate that it would get that cold or stay that cold for that long. Uh, and what we learned uh, uh, real quickly uh, was that the only way our community survived that winter storm was because community volunteers stood up. It was a real example of the fact that no matter how much a government prepares, it can never prepare for those extreme situations or challenges in our community just can't do it 
Uh, and, and I can remember in the middle of, of the winter storm watching and trying to empower as best we could all these different volunteers with water and, and food and working with uh, uh, Meals on Wheels and with the food bank uh, and with others, uh, people in the media would come and say, you know, evidence of a failure, no, that uh, the, the city can't uh, handle all this. Uh, and I'll tell you, the first couple of times I got asked that question, I was pretty defensive uh, about it uh, because I was feeling some measure of, yeah. of failure. Yeah. Uh, and the more I watched it, the more I realized this is what a community is supposed to do. When you have that big a challenge. It's actually the job description of neighbor. We just mm-hmm. don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that. I think in, it's, it's building resiliency community-wise starts with the household. Right. It's what you can do. And I think that's what, you know, I wasn't in this community for for Winter Storm Hurry, but I was in Houston and I was in Houston after Hurricane Harvey. And the one thing that I think we learn uh, statewide or community wide is the building block of your community starts with an individual household. And then it's the next household next door. And if you build those chains, uh, those those links in the chain strong, the community is strong. And I think that's what your point is, is. I, again, it's about being seen. I think before the pandemic, even you know, in, in Winterstorm, Uri, I know in my own neighborhood now, folks say I did not know my neighbor for 15 years before the pandemic, and then specifically now they know everyone after the Winterstorm. And now we know everybody. And now, so and let's it, keep that connectivity. And it feels good too. To Mayor's point earlier, it feels good for you too. Like, here's my vulnerable moment. I've had my fair share, maybe more than my fair share of mental health challenges. And part of the reason I volunteer so much and give time and do what I do in the community is because it's the best medicine I've found yet to fight anxiety, to fight depression, to fight whatever you're up against. And it it feels really good to be on the giving side of it too. And then lo and behold, when you need help, it's reciprocal. I do. I I really believe what it takes is is pre-pandemic, pre-winter storm, most of our community, there were transactional things happening on a daily basis. And I think what we need now is transformational things to start happening. 100%. And I think they're happening. It's where you, and it doesn't take much. For us, it takes 47 minutes one day a week. Can, you can make a transformational difference. If we can all commit, if uh, families and individuals in the family, to start thinking of ways to not just give something or do something, but to make it better, to transform it, whatever that may be, Mayor, we're going to be, as a community, prepared for anything that comes our this way. This has been a million-dollar commercial for Meals and Wheels, and we <laughs> rocked it. We totally crushed it. And and but it's heartfelt that I and you see the work that uh, the work that's being done. So, uh, congratulations. Uh, started as as a small startup here in, in Austin, East Austin, in 1972. Now, 50 years later. Uh, doing incredible work, growing, scaling, and needing to grow and scale even more. Congratulations, and please thank your staff. Uh, and they do just a phenomenal job, and, and I've been so impressed when I've, when I've been there with them. But, but Henry, before I let you leave, mm-hmm. uh, I want to just touch base for just for a second here. Uh, uh, before I was mayor, going back, uh, uh, gosh, 20 years ago. Don't tell them how long it's been. I won't tell them how long it's been. I worked as a staffer up at the state capitol for uh, for one of my closest friends who was the state senator, newly elected, and then serving from uh, El Paso, uh, Senator Shapley. 
Uh, and and in my time working up there, there were some senators that just really stood out as as leaders and and leaders within um, uh, among leaders among senators and 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 people that just took real courageous stands in support of people. Uh, and on that list, uh, I would put uh, your mom, mm. uh, Senator Senator Van de Pute, uh, and. Who, who later, I guess, became the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor uh, at, uh, at one point. Uh, but I've heard and read in the newspaper that uh, she was in an automobile accident uh, that was a pretty significant one. Uh, how is she doing? Thank you for asking. Um, it was a very difficult, uh, uh, horrific accident that she was in. Um, but if you know my mother, which you do, you know there's nothing that's going to keep uh, that woman down. She had six kids in 10 years, was a pharmacist, owned, wow. her own, owned her own business, and was a public servant in the wow. state house and the state senate. Um, we're happy to say that she's out of the hospital, which is fantastic, and expected to be back home with care, uh, hopefully sometime this summer. And her goal is to be able to be back on those Capitol steps and advocating for uh, for the folks that need it. Wow. So, and, I, and I don't doubt that for a minute. Please tell her that we were... Uh, that uh, we were thinking about her and asking about her and, and all wishes for, for her uh, real speedy yes. uh, speedy recovery. It's your favorite time in the pod, Mayor Adler, I think. It, it You know, Dadler jokes. This is the only reason why my girls still tune into this podcast, I think. <laughs> and Henry is, a, Henry is a fan of this segment, I believe. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this uh, part of the segment. <laughs> I was talking with my family and uh, told them about the podcast, which, by the way, my father listens to your podcast. I'm fairly certain he might be one of these that take that button and do the 10 times forward just to get to the Dadler section. <laughs> and he has his own uh, section. He calls them you know, Dadapute jokes. So this is his favorite part. Yeah. You know, I love this. This is like an opportunity. It's catching on. <laughs> no, no, but but if if your dad tells them, then clearly you've got to remember some. <laughs> and this would be almost like having like a a guest on on the Dadler section. I mean, we've never even thought about doing. Okay, we're gonna have a guest. Would your father join us sometime? Oh, he would. He would love be delighted. <laughs> he would want to do the whole podcast of just Dadler. <laughs> now, and Dad Henry, uh, did you perhaps did did you bring one? I did. I did. I, d I did use my phone a dad uh, <laughs> policy, and this joke is meaningful to him. My, my dad sold flags for 50 years uh, down in San Antonio. So this one comes from a trained vexillologist, someone who studies flags, and someone who also loves a good pun. Um, what is the best thing about Switzerland? We don't know. I don't know either, but the flag is a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> I love it. All right, now, all's fair in love and war. Let's have a retort. <laughs> all right, so... What vegetable is uh, sort of cool, but not that cool? A cucumber? Don't know. I don't know. Radish. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Radish-ish. Radish-ish. Hey, why did the spoon come to the party dressed as a knife? Why did the spoon come to the party dressed as a knife? I got one of these right the entire time we've been doing this. I have no idea. I was going to say maybe to cut a rug. That 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 would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the correct answer is uh, the invitation said to look sharp. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that's better.
<laughs> that one's actually funny. I give you that credit for good. that one. That was a genuine laugh you just heard. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some of the uh, community-submitted questions. Uh, did we get a community-submitted question? Yeah, so um, we've got one, which is, um, what is guaranteed basic income, or what is sometimes also referred to as universal basic income, UBI? So what is guaranteed basic income? And uh, it's sort of been in the news a little bit recently, so maybe you could talk about that. Boy, it has, and boy, it's been described, you know, uh, lots of different ways. So, so guaranteed basic income is to, is to say, what if the government, that, that gives support to people uh, all the time in lots of different instances. Uh, a lot of times, organizations like Meal on Wheels get uh, support from the government that yep. they then use to buy food and, and to do other kinds of things. Sometimes that, that, that support or assistance goes directly to people, like a, like a child care credit or food stamps or, or a health care clinic or yep. whatever, rental assistance. What if the government was giving assistance to someone and they said, you know, we could mandate that you use it for rent or we could mandate that you use it for this or you have to spend it in this way. Uh, and that most government programs look like that. And a fair amount of the cost of the government program is administering it to make sure that things happen the way that it was set up. Right. Them. What if we went to someone and said, we can tell you need help and assistance. We want you to get back on your feet. Here's the money that we were going to use this way, but we're going to trust you to determine how best to spend it because you know what you need. And, and, and what if we gave you the money and told you to spend it on something that might not have been your primary need? So the question is, what handouts, we, liberal handouts, they'll never use it the right way. It'll never work, Steve Adler. Well, you know, there are 50 plus cities that are that are using this kind of program around the country today are testing the program and the overwhelming evidence is that if you give dollars to somebody who's in need they actually spend it on the what need. they need and actually i think this is something that both sides of the aisle should be able to agree on because it also banks on individual liberty and individual choice to decide what's right for you as opposed to the government deciding the kind of aid you need and it makes perfect sense on i, I think for everybody and what made perfect sense on this to me which i also think makes sense on both sides of the aisle you know, in this city, we have a challenge with homelessness, and we have way too many people that are in tents by the side of our roads and under our overpasses, uh, fewer today than a year ago, and there'll be fewer a year from now than there are today. Uh, but, but it is not inexpensive once somebody ends up on your streets in a tent to get them out of that tent and to get them into a home and back, on, back in life. What if we were able to intervene just before they lost their home. For a fraction of the cost. For a fraction of the cost. And that's what our guaranteed income program is designed to test. It's the best business case, and that doesn't get talked about enough. And I think that it's true. And that's, that is exactly what's being tested. So what if we went to people moments before they were evicted and kicked out of their home? just moments before, and it was the kind of person in the kind of situation that most likely would have them end up now on the streets. Yes. And then what if we went to them just before that happened and we said, we're going to give you some dollars every month just for 12 months. Just to take the edge off. Right. You can use it however you think is most important for you to get your, your footing underneath you. Uh, 
what's going to happen? And if we can get people who would have been on our streets no longer on our streets for mm. those 12 monthly payments, taxpayers will say huge win. Huge win. Absolutely. Huge win. And, and to me, it's honestly not unlike Meals on Wheels. If I give someone high-quality meals every day and prevent them from falling all the way into type 2 diabetes, for example, yep. how much do I save on the flip side in care, clinic costs, hospital costs, medicine, the whole nine yards? So it's, a, it's, it's, it's really wise to invest at the right moment with the right intervention that can prevent the whole problem in the first place. Right. So what we're finding is that the abuse that everybody is scared of is things that people just really don't see. Those are mostly urban myths. Uh, anecdotally, I'm sure it happens every once in a while, but but we're going to test this program because we think it might actually be a way ultimately to best serve people and save money. Our partners in it are uh, Urban League and Up Together. Great, uh, great organizations have track work record in this that are invested in helping to, 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 to test and see whether this would be successful, so I'm excited about it. Now we're going to... Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, this week, uh, Austin FC, uh, the next game is May 14th, 8.30. It's in Salt Lake City. Uh, urge everybody to support Los Verdes at the uh, Hop Squad. Uh, boy, the team is doing really good this the year. Team, the team is amazing this year. I did not expect it to happen this fast. You know, it, I not quite, but I think that they've scored almost as many goals in just the beginning of the season as they did the whole year. all last season. Uh, it's just exciting to, 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 to watch. There's some Project Connect stuff coming up right in terms of the maintenance facility to support light rail, and that's getting a little bit spicy the further we go down that path. It is. For the next uh, eight weeks, we're having weekly meetings on Project Connect. That's the, 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 the public mass transit system that we're going to be setting up in the city. First subway in an American city in almost 65 years. Underground. Wow. It's going to be really exciting downtown, but it's going to stretch almost to the north city line and to the south city line. It will extend all the way out to the airport, but there are some design decisions that are going to be controversial. Some involve taking of property or the placement of facility uh, in areas that uh, people are not used to seeing a facility. Uh, or, uh, you know, we have to make a choice about how wide to build a bridge or yep. how tall to build a bridge. These are controversial or potentially controversial questions, and we need the community to comment. Uh, and uh, coming up right now is the meeting that has that uh, discussion about the maintenance facility. It's Tuesday, May 10th. It's at 5.30 p.m. Okay, and look. I used to think that these community meetings were just kind of like for show, okay? They're they're really not, and I've been to a lot of them now, and they're serious, and we really do listen, and the city wants to know, and you can have an effect. And so if you care about these issues, really do show up. It really does work. Just like going to speak in council chambers, it, you really have a voice. You know, I just saw the uh, the, the mock-ups of what will be the, the, the new transit bridge. Uh, that goes from near the Aust old Austin American Statesman, well, the Austin American Statesman site, uh, that cuts across, that goes across. They're uh, gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, but it only, it, it like dies into the side of the embankment on the north side. Oh, so, I didn't notice so that. it comes across and the bridge literally goes straight into the, into the bank. I mean, it is. Wow. Uh, I the, didn't notice. The design elements. Now, it'll go through a, an international design competition for exactly its look, but it will go right underground, right into the into the ground. And it only looks that way and it only is that way because of the public hearing that took place 
on this issue. Uh, the concept for what that bridge was going to be and what it would do uh, was presented to the public, and quite frankly, the public came and said, okay, no. we hear you on that. <laughs> uh, but, no, uh, thank here, you. Here are some questions we have about that. Uh, and it has materially changed, to your point, Josh. It has materially changed uh, with that. I had no idea. That's, a great, that's, a, that's an awesome example. That's a great. Use that voice. They're listening. <laughs> Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month is uh, now. All month. All month long. And uh, Celebrasia Austin uh, 2022 is on Saturday from May 14th. On May 14th from 11 to 3. Uh, the City of Austin's Asian American Resource Center, back in person. Uh, so we're suggesting everybody come celebrate uh, AAPI Heritage Month uh, with musicians and performances and food. It is free, open to the public at the Asian American Resource Center. Again, Saturday, May 14th. The food at this event is amazing. I can attest from firsthand experience. Go get the food. It's ridiculous. Yum. Hey, and this is the month where we have uh, graduates, so congratulations to the uh, classes of uh, 2022. Henry, thanks so much for uh, being with us. Thank you for the for the work that uh, you do. You haven't been in this role that long. I haven't. Four months. Four months. But learned a lot and, and love the city, love the community already. Welcome. We're Thank so you. glad you're here. You know, you talk about it like you've been like doing this now for decades. Well, I appreciate that. I've got a, a great team in when you when you serve the population we do um, they use that voice and they have a lot to teach us you know our seniors are our living history and so spending time with them I can certainly learn a lot in four months hundred percent imagine what I'll learn in a year we'd you- love to have you back and again I please extend the offer to your father Absolutely. to join us in a future pod for an extended Dadler jokes session. You have made his entire Dad debut jokes. Dad debut jokes. I like, I like that too. I, I feel another podcast coming on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Josh, you are such an, a wonderful friend of mine. Thank you so much You're for so welcome. joining me. Again. Thanks for having me. And hey, thank you to everybody who's listening. I have enjoyed this discussion. I hope that uh, you have too. We still want to hear from you, so submit your questions to steve.adler at austintexas.gov or on Twitter at Mayor Adler. Follow Walk With Me Austin wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we're all in this together. Talk with your family about volunteering for Meals on Wheels, everybody.